we'll be reading some scripture today from Colossians 1, 19 to 20. If you'd like to follow along on our Pew Bibles, it's on page 983. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Christina. Well, Merry Christmas, Regen. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about the power of peace. So interestingly, the uh, second candle of Anvet down here is the peace candle. And so today we'll talk about peace itself. The, um, start with a verse from Isaiah, Isaiah 9, 6. And this should be a real familiar Christmas verse for you. For to us the child is born, to us the son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So I have an idea of what I'm supposed to say this morning, but I'm going to do a little prayer and ask God that we have his words. So Lord, we just ask you this morning that you be here, be present among us, that you fill this place with your Holy Spirit, and that it be your words that come out, and not mine, and not the words of the world, but words from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So to get an idea of peace, let's take a look at what the world's idea of peace is. So we'll start with physical peace. So making your body at peace. So Justin gave us a great overview last week on what peace is, the absence of conflict and so on. So with your body, it would probably be the absence of pain. So if you'd like to, I'd like you to stand up and once you're standing up and just kind of hold your arms at your side and just kind of shake them a little bit. You're shaking the pain out. And now close your eyes and then inhale through your nose. A little more, hold it. Now exhale through your mouth. Feel a little bit more peaceful, right? Do that one more time. Inhale through your nose. And exhale through your mouth. Nice and peaceful. Nice and peaceful. Now, unfortunately, you can sit down if you like. We get older, um, and you go from, you know, trading out, you know, what's your, your favorite coffee shop to what's your favorite pharmacy after a while. Some of you can identify with that. You wake up in the morning not thinking about, you know, what things you have to do for the day, but cataloging your pains. You know, your elbow hurts, your hip hurts, your back hurts. Paul himself even said, so to keep me from becoming conceited, this is in 2 Corinthians 12 seconds, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. A lot of ideas of what that thorn means, but at this point, I'll just take it as literal. It hurts. And you can see that because the healthcare industry is absolutely booming. So we can do what we can to try and get physical peace, but we have a clock that we're working against. I have my list here of uh, physical peace, relax, meditate. Well, that didn't work, so for that. So next, we'll try mental peace. The world says there are different ways we can get mental peace. Mindfulness, we can meditate, you know, forgive, uh, 
we can uh, forget, live and let live. So one way you can do that, you can close your eyes and think about something nice, or some say just think about nothing at all. And then you open your eyes, and here we are. It's the end of the year. Does anybody ever get stressful during the holiday season? You have to decorate, you have to clean, you have to deal with bills, you're buying things, you're wondering if you even have enough money for various things. You might have reports that are due for school or reports that are due for work. You have end-of-the-year jobs to get done. You might have custody issues that you're dealing with. Whose family is the kids going to go to for this Christmas? You have friends and family that you're thinking about who hurt you or aren't talking to you and so on. You might be thinking about the catalytic converter that just got stolen or your neighbor that just got carjacked or infighting and insanity in the government, wars, the state of Israel and Gaza and so on. So the two most prevalent mental illnesses around the world are depression and anxiety. Those are the two top ones. Mental health conditions worldwide have risen 13% in the last decade, and that was numbers before the pandemic hit. So it's in a state where mental health conditions now cause one in five years lived with disability. Uh, around 20% of the world's children and adolescents have a mental health condition, and suicide is now the second leading cause of death among 15 to 29-year-olds. About one in five people in post-conflict regions, places where there's been war or major conflict and so on, have a mental health condition. So two of the most common mental health conditions, depression and anxiety, cost the global economy around a million dollars, no, sorry, one trillion dollars each year. It's a huge problem. And then, just because we want the peace and anxiety and people tell us, you know, oh, if you just load this app, they expect over $500 billion spent on mental health apps in this next year to load up and go, oh, I have peace. But is it really peace? Well, that didn't work. So that was my one here on Meditate. So, so much for that. So how about world peace? You know how people, they go, well, if, a, if you rubbed this magic bottle, and the genie appears, and you had three wishes, what would you wish for? And you go, well, one of them would be world peace. I would wish for world peace. So you go, okay, well, we have the United Nations. We have cooperation between countries. When we had COVID, there was a lot of help between different countries, the World Health Organization, to see things get done. Um, but we have various issues with that. So a few good things, though. Um, there's something called the Global Peace Index that actually tracks the state of peace around the world from country to country and so on. And they've seen a 2% rise in the state of conditions that foster peace amongst various countries over the last 10 years. But they've also seen a 2% per year decrease, it's a attitudes there's something called the attitudes domain, how people feel about peace, has deteriorated by 2% globally from 2009 to 2022. So 2% per year down as opposed to 2% total over 10 years going up. Its domains deteriorated in 99 of the total 163 countries assessed 
reflecting increased polarization of views of political and economic administration matters, as well as deterioration in the quality of information disseminated to the public. So go to the slide on war and conflict. So unfortunately, out of the last 15 years, we've had 13 years of global decline based on the Global Peace Index. And this is before the conflict in Israel has even started. And what is the cost and lives lost? Economies get disrupted, people starve, there's rationing for food. In the 10 countries most affected by violence, the economic cost of violence averages 34% of the gross domestic product versus only 3% of the 10 most peaceful countries. So to get an idea of the impact of this, let's look at the numbers. So looking by the numbers, the global impact, this is around the whole world, of mental health is somewhere on the order of about a trillion dollars. It's less than only 1%. But the cost of all health care, so aches and pains, health care services, hospital, medications, is about $9 trillion, or about 11% of the GDP. But violence, that's war, conflict, interior conflict, is around $17.5 trillion as a cost uh, to the GDP. That's either in direct cost, or it's in the actual impact to livelihood lost, jobs lost, income lost, 13% of the GDP. So if we look at just aches and pains and violence, that's almost 25% of every dollar earned with all the countries on the planet. So when you complain about taxes being high, complain about violence, complain about health care, complain about people being well. It's interesting when you take a look by the numbers. In Numbers 1, in the Bible, it starts off with a census. And the census is not every man, woman, and child like we do a census today, but specifically, it's cataloging for 11 out of the 12 tribes of every man from 20 years old and upward, all in Israel who were able to go to war. So they actually did the census by who was able to fight to defend themselves or to take over another nation. So in a way, War is kind of here to stay. So world peace, we want to do the world's way. We have uh, some other ways to go. So let's take a look back to today. Today's Sunday, the second Sunday of Advent, and we lit the peace candle. So let's talk about the Prince of Peace in Isaiah. So Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9:6. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So what does it mean to be a Prince of Peace? So a Prince is the heir to the throne, has in essence all the power and wealth of the king, has the ability to mete out commands according to the king, and we go on into uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.16. It's iterated even more. Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. So the theme for this Sunday is the power of peace. Now, 
having an engineering background, I look at peace, and peace seems like it's kind of a static thing. But power requires force over distance. Action means something is actually happening. So how can peace be active? So Jesus, when he was born, he was born as a king. They brought gold. But he was also born during the time of the lambing season, when they were preparing the lambs to be brought for Passover as sacrifices. Jesus was given gold as a king, but also frankincense and myrrh. And frankincense and myrrh are funeral spices. So in a way that he was being prepared as a sacrificial lamb, even at the time that he was born, in the gifts that were given. And we take a look in John 16, 32 to 33, when Jesus is preparing his disciples for when he's going to go. And he said, behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. Verse 33, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. I think we've established that pretty well. You will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So the peace that he gives is not peace of this world. It's peace from the spirit. It's peace in God's world. So let's take a look at how that applies back to, we talked about aches and pains, mental health, world peace. Let's start with the heart. Peace in the heart, Philippians 4, 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. In verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In lifting our cares and concerns up to the Lord, that he guards our hearts. So you go back to you know, the two most prevalent aspects of mental health, depression and anxiety. Just the mere aspects of prayer and supplication to the Lord helps to alleviate that to a large degree. In giving our cares to someone greater than ourselves who has overcome the world. Continuing on with the mind and the heart, to having a mind of peace. In John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. That Jesus is giving his own mind to us to guard our minds, to protect us in the areas of where there's strife and trouble and all the stresses of the end of the year and looking at the things going on in the rest of the world, that we can rest in God's eternal heart that he has taken care of things completely. And the healing of peace. So we talked about the aches and pains and so on, but they've found statistically that people that have high stress also have a high degree of illness, also have a high degree of pain, a high degree of more difficulty in recovering from illness and so on. And 
Look at Proverbs 14, 30. It says a tranquil heart, but a peaceful heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. That as we give our lives to the Lord and walking in peacefulness behind him, that also brings healing to our body. It reduces the overall degree of pain. It increases, statistically, it increases our ability to recover from disease and also allows others in community to heal as well when others bring peace to their family and so on. But most important is the peace through the Holy Spirit. Look in Galatians 5, to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, and asking the Lord to fill us with the Holy Spirit, we're filled when we come to him, and we can ask to be filled even more, to overflowing. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And this is where the power starts to come in, in actually causing action, movement, in ourselves, in our families, in our community. And then we can have peace in the world, even though the world is a tumultuous place. As Jesus said, there will be trials and tribulations, but I bring you peace. So peace in our world. This should be the slide with a big heart on it. Romans 12, 16 to 21. Paul gives us instructions on how we're to live in community. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So it's not our job to take vengeance on others. It's not our job to take out in violent action against others. Leave it to the Lord. He's the judge of what will happen. And continuing on in verse 20, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So pretty straightforward instructions, but it's incredibly powerful in that bringing peace in your own community brings power in overcoming the evil in that community. And in a way, thinking of, we just had COVID, we're still, some of us still get it, um, keeps growing over time, a virus continues to grow. Peace can also continue to grow as long as it grows within the community. It's when the Bible and the gospel gets taken over by what man's ideas of what it should be, it seems to deteriorate. And you end up with, like the conquistadors coming into Latin America and people become Christian based on a quota system. I have so many that have to be converted and they aren't converting, so I better get my spears out and make them convert, as opposed to walking forward in community with peace and bringing lovingness and kindness to the community you bring people as well, you reduce the hindrances for them to be able to come to the Lord. Because you're able, if someone is starving, you give them something to eat, they aren't thinking about food now, now they can actually think about greater things and come to the Lord. 
If someone is suffering from safety issues and you bring protection to them, they're not thinking about running from something that's coming against them. They're able to be set free to be able to think about coming to the Lord. So being in community of peace, asking the Lord to fill us with that peace, and then being his agents to bring that peace helps to transform his world. So we can be not only have peace in our community, but we can bring peace for our world. So in 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 4, first of all then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So it says in Paul's letter to Timothy that he urges us to pray, give prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings for all people, for kings and for those who are in high positions. And so what I'd like us to do now is we're going to pray. I'm going to take just three minutes. What I'll have you do, don't stand up yet. I'm going to have you stand up, find at least uh, one or two other people, and we'll have this side, we'll pray for family, this side, we'll pray for the world, and this side gets to pray for the church. The world is probably going to be government situations, conflicts. The family will be issues that have things that might detract or destroy or build up families. And the church is what helps to build up the church itself. So what I'd like you to do right now is to stand up, find two or three other people, and you've got Family World Church. And we'll give you about three minutes to start praying.
We'll finish in about 60 seconds. About 15 seconds. Three, two, one. And all God's people said? And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. It's good to pray. So we pray, even though there's tribulation and strife in the world, but we know by Isaiah 2:4 that God is in control. And this is the prophecy from Isaiah. He shall judge between the nations, not we, and shall decide disputes for many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore, that we know in the end that there will be peace. And why will there be peace? Because God is the one that's in control. Peace is powerful. Power is force over action, and that force is God, and that action is what he does in the world. So it's a picture of a peaceful river, and we often think of uh, peace like a river. And that scripture comes from, again, from Isaiah 66, 12. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her, her is Israel. Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream. We think of that term, oh, peace like a river, and it's all calm and peaceful. But you read the rest of the verse, it's like an overflowing stream. And an overflowing stream is a stream that's in flood stage, which means somewhere along the line there's been flash floods. When it's in flood stage, it's transforming the land around it. It's bringing nutrients to the soil that's on top. It can also push buildings out of the way and things of that sort. So when you think of peace, some of you have probably got some hobbies or sports where you do things that may seem dangerous or exhilarating at times. Has anyone ever gone skydiving? There's a couple hands there. There's anyone ever done parasailing? How about surfing? Things of that sort. Well, when you're doing it, it's not static. You're not sitting in one place, but you're concentrating fully on what it is that you're doing. So I liken to think of peace like a river where you've got Jesus surfing on top of a tidal wave directly over all of our tribulations because he is the one that is in control. And for us, peace like a river may be a static, placid little stream, but it could also be a torrent of waves crashing over the tribulations in our lives and the world around us, knowing that there's a future ahead.
in John 16, 33. Again, we'll read that. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world, is what Jesus said. So peace is powerful. So at this point, I'm done, so we're going to do communion. So we'll wait and uh, let the, uh, if you need any communion elements, um, we'll have Stephanie or some of the others coming down with um, some communion items. I always find I have to open this little plastic thing ahead of time, otherwise I'll hit with trying to get my fingernail that doesn't exist underneath the uh, piece of plastic there. So the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we take the bread of Christ. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. <laughs> 